Today on Blue 58, the Packers meet a familiar, if infrequent, nemesis on Monday Night Football this week. What do they have to do to beat the Rams and keep their playoff hopes alive? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Before we get started, and I will remind you of this during the, the podcast, I want to remind you of your our, our ongoing charity campaign. If you would like to be one of the uh, the lucky recipients of one of the 25 prizes we have up for grabs this year, head to thepowersweep.com, find the information on how you can donate to one of our our charities that we are working with this year to uh, support what's going on with with uh, charitable, charitable foundations supported by Adrian Amos, Shamar John Charles, Aaron Jones, or Pat O'Donnell. It's all in good fun, and we're supporting some good causes along the way, too. Uh, we've also already brought in a couple hundred dollars, and if you'd like to contribute, get those donations in by December 31st to be included in a drawing for one of those 25 fabulous prizes. We are in a sort of unique position. We've been here for a little while with the Packers, where they're kind of teetering on the brink of looking a little bit frisky in the playoff hunt while needing a whole bunch of help and also needing to win four games straight. I wrote for acmepackingcompany.com in one of our weekly kind of roundup pieces this week that, taken individually, I don't think there's any game the Packers have left, left that I don't think they can win. I think head-to-head they can probably beat the Rams. I think if they play to their potential, they could probably beat the Dolphins. Who knows what the Vikings are going to be playing for? And the Lions, you never know. But certainly the Packers shouldn't be counted out of any one of those games. The problem is the Packers have to win four in a row and get a whole bunch of help. So that's where it gets a little bit complicated. So while we would never root for the Packers to, you know, lose or make things easy for us for trying to figure that out, we also have to balance expectations, I think, a little bit. So I think rather than diving into the nitty-gritty of every opposing team the Packers are going to play, we should kind of try to get a higher-level look here about what each game says about the Packers relative to their opponents. So I've got three questions I want to talk through today. One that focuses specifically on the Packers, one that focuses on the Rams, and one that focuses on what the Packers have to do to beat the Rams. First question very Packer-centric, are we finally going to see the plan? So the defining thing of the 2022 Green Bay Packers is their move to trade Devontae Adams. Everything about their off-season centers around that. Trading Devontae Adams allowed them to re-sign Devondre Campbell, re-sign Rasul Douglas. It gave them the draft capital to do a lot of interesting things in the draft. They had two first-round picks. They used one of their second-round picks to, well, they packaged both their second-round picks to move up uh, and get Christian Watson. And there's been a varying, you know, return on those investments that we'll see play out over the next few years. But all of those were part of the plan to be in the post-Devante Adams world. And we talked throughout the offseason and leading into the season about how it was going to probably take a little bit of time for the Packers' offense to become what they were supposed to be in that post-Devante Adams world. 
no matter how good Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs were going to be right out of the gate, it was going to take some time for the Packers offense to become the version that it was supposed to be this year. Whatever the final version of that offense was going to be, it wasn't going to be present in weeks one, two, three, maybe five, six. Hopefully by midseason, Watson and Dobbs have their feet under them. Sammy Watkins is doing whatever he was supposed to do in the offense. And you build through the back half of the season. But as we saw and have continued to see, we didn't get that. Christian Watson was hurt in training camp, needed surgery, didn't get out onto the field until week one, and we all know what happened in week one. Then he had trouble staying healthy through the first five, six weeks of the season, kind of culminating with that concussion against the Buffalo Bills. In and out of the lineup, at best. Romeo Dobbs kind of had the opposite trajectory. He was a big part of the offense early on, but then got hurt against the Lions all the way in week nine. It seems like the Lions game was like week four, considering how long ago that feels. But he got hurt against the Lions in week nine, and we haven't seen him since. Out the very first play of that game. Incidentally, I think if Dobbs is healthy in that game and Watson is more than a week removed from his concussion, the Packers probably handle the Lions. And we're talking about a at least slightly different picture here heading into week 15. But now... Watson and Dobbs are both healthy. Aaron Rodgers' thumb is at least healthier than it's been in quite some time. And we've got probably the best version of the offensive line we're going to get at this point in the season, considering that David Bakhtiari's body is now falling apart from the inside out. And I'm not blaming him for that (laughs) appendectomies. Man, I've known people that it's just like one day you're fine, The next day, you're feeling a little funny in the morning, and by the afternoon, you're in surgery. The doctor's saying, yeah, pal, your appendix tried to kill you today. What what caused it? Who knows? But we've got Zach Tom at left tackle, Elton Jenkins in his comfortable spot at left guard, Josh Myers, for whatever that's worth, at center, John Runyon at right guard, and Yash Nyman at right tackle. The offensive line is at least stable at this point. The pieces should be in place. So are we finally going to see some version of the offense that we hoped that we were going to see all those weeks and months ago? We're probably going to spend a lot of time in the next few months and probably over the next few years wondering whether this was a good idea. Was it a good plan? I think only time is really going to bear that out because we have to see what happens with Watson and Dobbs. And and even to a lesser extent, uh, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, because they're part of this too. It's going to take a while for us to see if the plan was good. But to this point, I think if you're Brian Gutekunst and you're looking at the 2022 season, you can sit there and say, well... (laughs) I know it's bad. I know this, this season hasn't gone well, but this, is, was, this wasn't what we were expecting. This wasn't how this was supposed to be. Yeah, injuries happen to everybody, but the timing of those injuries culminating with other injuries at different position groups or on top of Aaron Rodgers breaking his thumb but being not quite hurt enough that he has to definitely sit down but hurt enough that it's going to affect his performance, this isn't how it was supposed to be. 
at least now they can say, all right, we've got everybody who's supposed to be here in place. What does that look like? And I'm interested to see that this week. The second big question I have heading into this game is, would you trade places with the Rams? The Rams and Packers are not in dissimilar sorts of places. Both of them had much better 2021s than 2022s. The Rams are coming in at 4-9. and nine. They are even more beat up at key spots than the Packers are. Earlier this season, I think the picture was even bleaker, if that is possible. They were starting like USFL caliber guys on the offensive line at points. And Matthew Stafford's injury situation hasn't really gotten better. There are fairly strong arguments saying that he probably isn't going to play football again. I mean, you talk about the words bruised spinal cord and you can see why. But there's a key difference between the Packers and Rams from last season. The Rams won the Super Bowl and the Packers did not. The Rams won the Super Bowl, not exclusively, but in part because they really went for it last year. They gave up a boatload of picks to get Matthew Stafford. They gave up even more picks to get Von Miller. They made sure that they got Odell Beckham Jr., among other moves. It's not exclusively because they they made those moves that they won the Super Bowl, but it sure helped quite a bit. And they did. They won the Super Bowl. And they've got a slogan for it as well. You know the slogan? If you don't, you're not going to hear it on this podcast. But now, the Rams are kind of gutted. They looked like a team that had one run in them, and now they're tapped out. And the top 10 draft pick that they would have to rebuild after, well, kind of gutting their their draft capital last year, well, it's in Detroit now. It's going to be helping the Lions with their rebuild. My question is, if you knew you could win a Super Bowl, what would you be willing to give up? How long would you be okay with being bad? Because I have to imagine being 4-9 and nine the year after you win the Super Bowl isn't great, but you can always look back and say, yeah, but we beat Tom Brady in 2021 in the playoffs. Then we took down the 49ers, which is always fun, our divisional rival. And then we won the Super Bowl. And no matter how bad we were in 2022, in 2021, we were the last team standing. And nobody ever can take that away from us. So what would you be willing to, to give up? How long would you be okay with being bad? Are you okay with a year like the Rams are having? Two years? Three years? How long would you tolerate being in they have no chance of winning the Super Bowl mode before the glow of that single championship wears off? I say this all rhetorically because I don't even know what my answer would be. Because, I mean, I've been lucky enough to see the Packers win two Super Bowls. 1996-2010. If you told me that I could have guaranteed a Super Bowl in 1996, how long as an elementary school kid would I have put up with being like abysmally bad before 
the good feelings that came with winning that Super Bowl wore off? I don't know if I have the answer. I, I can't say the same about 2010 either. I mean, I can say the same for 2010 as well. Like, I don't know. It kind of gets to that old question of whether you'd trade places with Giants fans because they won in 2007 and 2011 as Packers fans are all too familiar, but they would have had practically nothing to show for the rest of the years, pretty much before or since then. I mean, dating back to the Parcells era, from then to 2007, it was pretty bleak. And then other than 2007 and 2011, it's been pretty bleak. If you could have guaranteed the Packers winning uh, a Super Bowl in 2014, say, would you trade having at least a partial chance at winning Super Bowls in 2016, 2019, 2020? Because the Packers had shots in those years. They were in the NFC Championship game. Sure, 2016 and 2019, they say they bluffed their way there a little bit. They were not necessarily the best team in the world, but they they made it there. In 2016, they dragged themselves, clawing and screaming, all the way to the NFC Championship game in Atlanta. And they, they just ran out of gas there, but they were there. And, you know, a couple of things break your way, you never know. But they at least had a chance, and they had a chance in 2019, and they definitely had a chance in 2020. Would you have traded those chances for a guarantee? What would you trade for a win in 2020? If you could go back in time and say, okay, you know that Scotty Miller's going to go deep. You're on this third down right before the first half. What do you trade to have Adrian Amos step in there and pick off that pass? Heck, let's just really ice it. Pick it off and run it back for a touchdown. He stiff arms Tom Brady into the turf, like stomps on his throat on his way to the end zone. The Packers gut the Buccaneers at Lambeau Field. It's 56-3. to And they go on and win Super Bowl, whatever that would have been. Rodgers throws seven touchdowns as they obliterate Patrick Mahomes. How long would you accept the Packers being bad? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Before we get to the final thing I wanted to talk about today... I wanted to remind you about our charity situation. Again, we are collecting funds for charities supported by Adrian Amos, Shamar John Charles, Aaron Jones, and Pat O'Donnell. That is the Adrian Amos I'm Still Here Foundation. Shamar John Charles is working with the Wisconsin Alzheimer's Foundation. Aaron Jones is working with his ANA All the Way Foundation. And Pat O'Donnell is supporting the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation. We have information on how to donate to all of those charities at thepowersweep.com. I also have a link in the description of this show. Take a look at that. Continue, uh, consider supporting us. Consider supporting them. And uh, we'll try to make it worth your while if we can do that. Last question about this final, well, last question, final question in this podcast as the Packers prepare for their final four games of the season, what do the Packers have to do to take care of business against the Los Angeles Rams? They're going for it. The Packers want to try to win out and make the playoffs. So what do they have to do this week to win this game? We've talked about how we're not sure they can do it four in a row. What a tall order that is, even if they do, you know, getting help beyond, beyond the Packers, they're going to need some. 
What do the Packers have to do to maximize their chances of winning in this game? First and foremost, the Packers are favored, and I think they're favored for a reason. I think they're going to win this game. I think they just have, they've got more left in the tank than the Rams do. They have at least a nominally healthy quarterback. What does that even mean for Aaron Rodgers in 2022? There's another question for you. It's been so long since we can say he's been 100%. What does it mean for him to be healthy? Because I don't know if we've seen him healthy and behind an offensive line that matters at the same time this year. So we'll figure that out on Monday too. But what do the Packers have to do to win this game that they should win? First, I think you've probably got to ride A.J. Dillon a little bit more. He's been the hotter of the two running backs over the last couple games. Aaron Jones has been banged up a little bit. I think if he's going to have this hot streak in him, you've got to let him go, let him cook while he can. And behind a stronger, better offensive line than I think we've seen pretty much at any point in the Packers season to this point, there's no reason not to. Let A.J. Dillon pound away, take advantage of the cold December weather, and just let him bludgeon this Rams defense that is a little bit undermanned at this point in the season. The second thing I think the Packers have to do is figure out a way to pressure Baker Mayfield. Now, Mayfield has been a fun story over the past, I guess, week and a half now. He gets released by the Carolina Panthers, claimed by the Los Angeles Rams, who desperately needed him and also wanted to keep him away from the San Francisco 49ers. And then, lo and behold, he's in the lineup. Had one real practice, it sounds like, with the Rams leading into that Thursday night game. And there he is leading a 98-yard game-winning drive for the Rams on Thursday night football. Now, no matter how much practice time he's had with the Rams since then, I still think it's pretty fair to say that it would be surprising if Baker Mayfield was overly comfortable in the Rams' offense. And we've seen that even when he's in offenses where he is comfortable, there is a little bit of bad Baker Mayfield in Baker Mayfield, in that he sometimes does not make the greatest decisions on the football field. So how do you encourage him to make more of those bad decisions? Got to get a little pressure on him. And that has been easier said than done for the Packers since Rashawn Gary was injured. But the Packers still have options. They've got Preston Smith. They've got J.J. Nigbari. They've got Justin Hollins. And Kenny Clark was looking a little bit more sprightly against the Bears, too. I have the lowest possible expectations for Joe Barry at this point. But I think with that sort of cadre of guys, with Kenny Clark, with Preston Smith, with some combination of Inigbari, Hollins, shoot, throw Koi Walker in there. Turn him loose on the blitz a little bit more. You should be able to get some pressure on Baker Mayfield, and that should lead to some bad decisions, which should be some good things for the Green Bay Packers. Related to that, point number three, turn Jair Alexander loose. I think I was... I don't want to say I was more supportive of Jair during the Bears game than most. Maybe less critical than it seems like a lot of people were of Jair Alexander and how he played against the Bears. Because Dusty Evely did a a couple of really good breakdowns on this 
it was kind of as we suspected right after the game. Jair got beat a couple times deep in that Bears game. But there was something the Packers were trying to do in that game, and it involved Alexander playing hard on short passes and outs. That was the reason, especially on the Nikhil Harry play, that he was able to get loose. Or Nikhil Henry, whatever his name is. The other big wide receiver who was disappointing with his first team, who is now with Chicago. But Alexander was playing hard and fast against the short stuff, biting hard, and it led to him blowing up a couple plays. Yes, he got burned a couple times, but he also made a big play on the interception and made a couple other nice plays, stopping plays before they could really get started. I want to see the Packers kind of lean into that a little bit more. They've got two guys that are really capable of making things happen when they get the opportunity to freelance a little bit. Jair Alexander is as good a corner as you can really hope for, especially on this Packers defense. There are there are better cornerbacks in the NFL than Jair Alexander, particularly this year. He hasn't been in an ideal situation, but he hasn't always played his best either. But I think he's at, its be- at his best when he can play a little bit looser, not be called upon to just exclusively play as conservative as possible and avoid giving up every big play because he can make some plays on his own too. I would like with the Packers attempting to get pressure on Baker Mayfield to let Alexander and I guess in a related point, Rasul Douglas have the freedom to try to make some plays because those kinds of plays have been few and far between for the Packers defense this year. And if there's anybody who is going to give you the opportunity to make some of those plays, it's going to be Baker Mayfield. On the offensive line, I think just turn the left side loose, too. Zach Tom, a little bit on the lighter side, and that has proven to be a detriment for him at times this year. We're not going to fix that this year. I think the Packers should operate as though Zach Tom can take care of himself. There's no reason to be overly, I think, cautious against this Rams front. And if you are going to be cautious, I don't think it's because of their outside rushers at this point in the season anyway. Aaron Donald is the one you have to worry about, and he's going to be coming from the inside. So let's see what we can do to stop him on the inside. Let's turn Zach Tom loose on the outside as we try to solve the inside pressure issue. The Max Protects the Packers are going to be running this week, if and when they run them, should be focused on that, not on trying to prop up Zach Tom. Finally, I want to see the Packers try something anything different to stop the run this week. They released Jack Heflin. Sure, fine, whatever. But they've just thrown so many snaps down the well of Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed again and again and again. They are not going to save the season. Let's please, please try something different. One game between now and the end of the season I want to see Devontae Wyatt play 30, 35. Let's get really greedy. 40 snaps. Just let him play. Activate Jonathan Ford. Give us some proof of life on Jonathan Ford. Put him on the field for one play just so we can see that he actually does exist. 
He's turning into a giant-sized version of Ryan Grant from a couple of years ago. You remember that? Ryan Grant, the former Washington wide receiver, signs with the Packers. I believe it was 2019. And he was on the active roster for like 11 weeks and was never active for a single game. That's Jonathan Ford, except he's mass-wise probably three Ryan Grants. Pretty close. Let's just try something, anything different up front. If nothing else, this final month of the season, these last four games, should be a time when the Packers can try some things. What they've been to this point in the season has by and large not been enough. Even against the Bears, they were this close to getting beaten in Chicago. It's just got to be a little bit different. Try something. Shake something up. Be a little bit different. Just try it. And you never know what could happen here down the stretch. But you've got to be willing to be a little bit different first. That's all I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58. I'm excited for Monday Night Football. And I hope you are as well. It's not the game that I think we thought we were going to have back when the schedule came out. Packers get the defending Super Bowl champs on Monday Night Football. And yet, it's always kind of an event too. So enjoy it as much as you can. And let's see if the Packers can keep this thing alive. In the meantime, if you enjoyed the show and you think someone else would enjoy it too, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with someone you would think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show and it's going to get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.